Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today we're going to be discussing, like I said, choosing community. Now, before we can discuss community, we need to discuss what what does choice mean? What do we what do we know and define choice as? What is choice? What does it mean to choose? Well, a lot of you made choices already, no matter what time of the day it is. Some have made more than others. Some in the morning have just made a few choices, like waking up and logging onto this webinar is one of your first choices. Uh, that was a choice. And you joining and connecting with this online family is a choice. And it's a, a choose to connect with your fellow brothers and sisters. So the dictionary defines choice as, a, as to choose is a means to decide on a course of action that you will take from the available options presented to you. It means to seek out, to select from uh, two or more options and to decide. That's what it means to choose. Now that's what anyone knows what a choice means in today's world. But what is the Bible? How does the Bible define choice? The most prevalent scripture that comes to mind when someone talks about choice or choosing is Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And this is what most believers know and, and some unbelievers that haven't yet chosen what they know what this verse says. It says in verse 19, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curse. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So the context of this of this verse and this passage of scripture is Moses is on the cusp of the promised land, one that he was not going to enter into himself, but he's addressing Israel's next generation, the generation that would inherit the promised land. And he's presenting them afresh with a, choo a choice to choose God for themselves. See, it, it wasn't good enough that their forefathers have chosen the God of Israel to follow. They needed to make a personal commitment, a covenant, if you will, to choose for themselves, is this the God that we will serve? And, and Moses presents them this choice afresh. And he asks them to exercise their will, to make a choice. And he even gives them the answer that he, he, in his heart he wishes they would make, that they would choose life. Now, all of us on this webinar have made that choice. That choice is choosing Christ. You know, that is the first choice as a believer that we make. We, we follow Moses' words and we choose life. We choose to have blessings and we choose to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, that is where community begins. That choice. You see, all of us are in a community of Christ because we chose to follow Jesus. It's like when... He, he personally walked up to his disciples and he said, come follow me. 
He's had that instant in all of our personal lives when we felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the conviction to choose life, to enter into relationship with Christ. And that is a choice that we have made as believers. You see, we all have something in common. Rather, let me say it this way, we all have someone in common. You see, Jesus is the whole point. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, it will always lead and will always direct and point to Christ. From the beginning in Genesis, even when, when God is he's telling the serpent of the curses that he'll, he, he will put on him, one of those curses is said that one of the descendants of Eve that will, will give birth will crush your head and you will bite him on the ankle. That was a prophetic utterance of Christ, even in the first few pages of the Bible. Right to the end, it always points to Christ. You see, and we as a people, we as a community, a unified people, we should always point and reflect Christ. Let's read again another verse of scripture which, which illustrates how everyone has been joined and reconciled in through Christ, both Jew and Gentile. Now, Jew and Gentile was a, was a big deal in those days in the context of the time. It was, speaks of two predominant major cultures, major thought lives, major worldviews. And today, it's the same, being in the worldview of Christ and being outside that. So let's read together. You can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to be reading from, from 19 to 22 from the NIV. Personally, I really love Ephesians. It really speaks about the community of Christ. It speaks about how we are all joined together in Christ. Um, it's one of my favorite if you can have a, a book of the Bible, um, and we're going to be reading from Ephesians 2, verse 19 from the NIV. Again, remember the context, Jews and Gentiles. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Wow, I just, I really love the metaphor, the, the heavy metaphor that Paul gives us about the chief cornerstone of Christ and the building and the temple. Um, you see, elsewhere in Ephesians, you see a lot of us believe that you can be, all of us, we all forget how community-based the Bible is. But when you read scriptures like this in Ephesians, it reminds us that, yes, we, in a, when Jesus comes and lives on the inside of us, our body is the temple, and scriptures point to that. But so much more powerful is when all of us brethren dwell together. There's the blessing of God. We all form the, the true body of Christ, and all of us are living stones in that building of that temple. But most importantly, Christ is the chief cornerstone. Now, there are more educated engineers in this webinar alone, so I'm not going to go into full detail of cornerstone. But the chief cornerstone is the, the first cornerstone, is the exact word, foundation stone that was placed in the building. And that stone was so important because it set the standard. It plumb-lined everything else for it to line up. It's the reference point in when construction happens. It's the first block or brick that is placed down and that was christ for us he's our reference point 
and he holds everybody together and sets us all in line, the members in, in their place like we know. I'm going to read you a quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Before I read it, let me give you a brief background on who Diedrich Bonhoeffer was, if nobody knows. He was a German pastor and a theologian during World War II, and he vehemently spoke against Hitler and the Nazi movement. He Living in that country, he was against whatever Hitler and the Nazis proclaimed, and we know they pro proclaimed division and persecution. He was a man of the word, and he proclaimed the opposite. He proclaimed the word, and ultimately he was arrested and executed for his resistance. Now, let me read you his quote to see how powerful it, it is in that context. He, he says, only in Jesus Christ are we one. Only through him are we bound together. For me, I, as a, a student of history, I love that because we know Hitler was misguided and he, he abused the Bible to, to preach what he wanted. But you see, Diedrich Bonhoeffer preaches the Bible as it is. It speaks about unity through all brethren. It speaks about unity no matter what your creed culture is. And that unity is always brought together in Jesus Christ. He is the person that brings us together. We are only in Jesus Christ are we one. Only through him are we bound together. I just love that. That's so powerful. Now, we can use even Jesus' words, as we're all familiar with, before he was arrested. John chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. When Jesus is about to get arrested, he goes and prays. And he doesn't just pray for himself and he doesn't just pray for his disciples, but he also prays for us today. He goes through time and he prays for anyone who will ever believe in him. And this is the prayer that he utters. John 17 verse 20 from the New Living Translation. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be all one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. You see, this was Jesus' heart prayer for us today. Unity with him and then unity with each other. See, that is the first point in choosing community, is us choosing Christ. When we choose Christ, Naturally, we choose to connect with fellow brethren who all together chose Christ. But we know that choice is not a once-off. Yes, when you choose Christ, you're saved, you're recreated, your spirit is recreated, you're born again into Christ and you now have fellowship with Him. But just like a natural relationship, we need to cultivate that and, and, and grow in it and continue in that relationship. And that's the next point, is that we need to continually to choose Christ. It's a continual process. Let's read it for, for ourselves in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. Now this, for me, was my standout scripture in, in preparing the messages. I really love the scripture. It's so powerful, and we're going to be referring to it uh, quite often as we progress through the rest of this message. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. You can turn there. I'm going to be reading again from the New Living Translation. And this is what Paul says. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, in other words, you've made that choice, that singular choice, that quality decision in your life through the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you've chosen Christ, 
Now that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. You must continue to follow him. It's, an, it's a constant choice. He continues in verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I, I really just, I just love that. Because if you study those, those two verses, you will notice a strong double metaphor that Paul once again places into his letters. The first part of the metaphor is let your roots grow into him. So he brings the analogy of a plant life and roots on organisms, organic. Now, that speaks of our relationship we are to have with Christ. It's natural. It's a, a longing to, to grow naturally, not so structured or, or, or predetermined in that sense for, for that example. And as roots grow, they don't just happen overnight. You can't plant a tree and expect the roots to to set and to be firm and to grow stable in a couple of months even. It takes quite a while for trees to be bedded in and grow. See, roots, you can't, you can't accelerate it. Roots can't just grow and establish them themselves overnight like we said. It takes time to grow in our relationship with God. But it needs to be a relationship. It needs to be an encounter that we have continually choosing Him in moment-to-moment, day-to-day basis. And then our roots will grow. But having said that, Paul continues and then he says with the second half of the double metaphor, let your lives be built on him. Once again, returning to the metaphor of building and construction. Now, that's very different to the nature and natural organic life. It's not just spontaneous and it's not just natural. It takes a concerted effort, predetermined outcomes. You need to decide, you need to count the cost before you can build. It needs to be purposeful. And that's why I love this double metaphor that that Paul pivots between the two. It needs to be natural, but you need to apply all of yourself to make quality decisions. You can't just let things happen. It's like any relationship that we have in today's world, right? You, You can't just, if you don't put the effort in to establish relationship, to follow up and phone and, and talk and have coffee meetings, and even within your close uh, marital relationships, time is needed. Otherwise, life passes you by. See, both is needed, and that's why I love it. It's so powerful. And Christ is centered to that. You see, Paul's talking about a relationship in Christ to this. We have to spend time with Christ. Let our roots seek, seep into him. Let them grow. Let them establish. Let us, and also, when we build our lives on him, we're making a deliberate action to spend time with Christ. And then in, in his teachings, we, we learn and we build brick on brick, precept on precept. Now, like I said, the, the reason I'm starting with choosing Christ in discussing community is he's the most important choice we will make and step we will take every day when choosing community. Christ is the beginning point of everything. And true growth only comes when we are rooted, like Paul said, in Christ. In Christ's own words, John chapter 15, verse 4. We know know this passage of scripture when it comes to the vine and the branches. I'm going to be only talking about one verse because it's so familiar with us. From the Passion Translation, it says, So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch is severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless. 
unless you live with your life intimately joined to mine. You see, it's not just a once-off like we said. It's remaining in life union. I love that. Because as long as you're in that union with Christ, there is life. And it's a constant choice. So, now that we know that Christ is the most important choice and choices that we continue to make, how do, what does it mean to choose community then in the Christian context and the Christian's definition of what community really is? What does it mean to choose community? Well, referring back to that double metaphor, we know what choosing community is in that context in, in Colossians, Colossians 2 verse 67. Firstly, what it means to choose community, it means to let your grow, your roots grow into not only Christ, but into each other. I'll give you a quote from Riken. It says, fellowship with other believers comes from having fellowship with God through Christ Jesus. Now, this is what I found when I joined the, joined the ministry. I, I knew I would come and join the ministry and bring my strengths to the table in terms of my background in IT and, and technical abilities. But I was a bit surprised how quickly my heart, by meditating on scriptures and growing in, in, in the knowledge of God and not head knowledge but heart knowledge, how my heart grew outwards and wanting and wanted to connect with people. And how I missed connecting with not only believers but unbelievers because those opportunities to truly connect with someone was no longer there. And that kind of took me by surprise when I joined the ministry, and it shouldn't have, because this is what it is all about, right? This is what ministry is about, it's about people. Um, but true fellowship is birthed when we have fellowship with Christ. And that's, that's why I started with Christ today. See, as we in intimately connect with God, relationally, on a relationship level, His love flows through our hearts, and then we desire to connect with each other relationally. Let me give you another quote from Christina Fox. Our union with one another in the body of Christ has a high and important goal. Love. It's the inevitable result of being in union with our Savior. His love pours into us and then we extend that love to others. I really love what she says there because she, she terms it as an inevitable result of being in union with our Savior. And I truly believe that. When we are in union with Christ, a direct and natural outflow of that will be that we find a greater love, His love, being poured into us and then wanting to burst out. Because Christ's love and our God's love is not a selfish love. It doesn't stay in. It's an agape love. It must always spill outwards to someone. That's why we as human beings were created because God could not withhold himself, which is love, in. He needed to burst forward and create humanity and then have relationship with humanity and then not restrict humanity, but let them do the same, burst forward and create. You see, that's the, the, the powerful part of that first metaphor, root growth. It's a natural outflow. It's organic. It's a deep, strong longing to 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 grow our roots and to spread branches in the community with each other and through Christ Jesus. Now, what I found when this started happening is that it doesn't just, your heart might want to grow out, your heart might want to expand and pour out, but guess what? Your hands need it. It needs to take 
shape somehow. And that's where the second part of the metaphor is so strong. It needs to take a choice. It needs to take a lot of choices, continual choices. It needs a concerted, deliberate action on our part. That's when Paul says, let your lives be built on him. It needs a building. You see, what I've come to know is that fellowship and community, they are not passive. Community is not a passive thing. It doesn't just happen. It won't happen to us and it won't happen. We must first be the friend that we desire to others. And that's sowing the seed. That's Christ speaking. You see, like we said, roots, they not have, they don't happen overnight. Same with relationships. They're not born overnight. Like true, re- deep relationships take time. They take shared history. You see, but we also need to cult Calculate the cost. We need to invest into each other's lives deliberately, time after time. And this takes time. See, it speaks of being intentional and consistent in our relationships. And this is what I'm still learning, is that you can have a connection with someone, but you need to continually invest in that connection for it to have life, just like our relationship with God. You need to be intentional in that relationship and be consistent, importantly, in those relationships. When we continually share our mutual love and faith in Christ together, when we continually pray for one another, when we continually serve one another, then we continue to grow closer to each other and strengthen community. I'm going to give you another quote. Um, Maybe this one not so familiar in terms of the others that I've listed. The quote says, You can't stay in your corner of the forest waiting for others to come to you. You have to go to them sometimes. Now, that's a quote from A.A. A. Milne, and it's from Pooh's little instruction booklet. Let me read it again, from Winnie the Pooh then. You can't stay in your corner of the forest waiting for others to come to you. You have to go to them sometimes. You see, always when I remember community and, and reaching out and speaking to even people that are not believers and having that, that courage and boldness and faith, I'm reminded of Jesus. He never... He knew, he knew the love of God within his heart and he couldn't help just let it pour out. Every opportunity he saw someone needing connection, relationship and his love, he poured it out. Right? He never withheld it. No matter who he was surrounded with, no matter people that we wouldn't be comfortable in those environments, Jesus never held back because he wanted true community, wanted true love. And that was his, his love and his community. Now, the last, the last part of the message today, we're going to be discussing the how. You know, sometimes we need practical water stones, watermarks to, to look on and engage. How are we choosing community? How can we better choose community? What steps is involved within our Christian community that we can, if we're doing great, continue to do, press in, if we are not maybe address? You see, it's not so much that it's a lack of community that we have. But for me, I found it's, it's always going to grow. Your desire to connect will always grow, no matter if you're an introvert or extrovert. And I don't have to tell any of you that I'm an introvert because you don't even see my face on the webinar. I'm always behind the scenes. So it's, it doesn't matter your personality, personality slant. God will always want you to connect with someone and some people and share his love with them. That's what it means to, to live the gospel. Amen. So how do we choose community? 
Well, another quote, it takes hard work and intention to nurture that community. Seeds are there, but we have to water them to help them grow. Perhaps that's why finding community and friendships through social media is so appealing these days. It takes less work and effort. Now, I agree with that quote, but I wanted to add on to it. Social media is also seen as safer, and it's also seen as a false sense of community. Because you're not really having face-to-face relationship with anybody. You're sharing opinions, and you're sharing what your day was like, and it's just a broadcast, if you will. You know, it's not an interaction. And if it is an interaction, it's not a deep relational interaction on a face-to-face basis. So, you see, I think for myself, I always hesitate into face-to-face relationships when I was growing up. Why, why do we hesitate? Because we're going to get hurt. We fear rejection. We fear uh, prejudice. We want, to, we want to withhold and stay in our, in our, into ourselves, into our huddle, because we, we have a fear. We don't want to get hurt. But I remember that you know Jesus invested into face-to-face relationships, and he ultimately received the kiss of death. But still he forgave and still he loved. So we don't need to fear connection because Jesus himself, he had a face-to-face relationship and he himself was rejected, but he still forgives and he still opens up his heart and he still loves. This is how we choose. You know, remembering we spoke of Jesus' kiss of death. You know, Judas was one of the dirty feet that Jesus washed before, before that time. He knew what Judas was going to do. We can read inscriptions. But he doesn't withhold. He doesn't allow his his fear to with, keep him back. He he rather allows the rape love of God to burst forward and overcome fear. See, the enemy of fear is faith and love. When we love people, there's less to fear. But yes, we will get hurt. It's the forgiving and the loving that we need to practice like Jesus did and how to overcome that. You see, the how is to choose how to choose community is to take that first step and to choose that is where we start we have to choose to connect we have to choose to break bread together we have to choose to invest ourselves into others will you be blessed yes will you get hurt most likely you see real community is when we rub against each other it's no guarantee that we won't have friction and like I said, it's probably a certainty. When you, when you just have to know in your own family lives and your own nucleus families and, and if you're having other people stay over at your house for any length of period of time, you get cabin fever. You rub against each other. Not that they're doing anything purposeful, but they, they are different to you. And being different to you means that's, that's what our, our human lives are like in a, in a company, in a, like I said, in a home. We rub against each other. Friction happens. We're not, we're not going to just get along all all the time, like in marriage, you know, these are, these are the truths of our humanity, but you see, Christ loves through that, we don't love our family because they are perfect, we love them because they are family, that we belong to each other, and despite the imperfections, that's when true love comes out, you see, love is a choice, it's not a feeling like that so often has defined for us, now obviously, the Holy Spirit is another person that we need to remember when choosing community in our in our circles. He will give us the wisdom and the discernment when needed to reach out and who to reach out to and how to reach out. 
If we don't have community with the Holy Spirit, we can we get hurt more often. And sometimes he, he will help us to, to do things in a manner that is, is easier for both parties. You need to involve the Holy Spirit. And he is involved in that double metaphor of root relationship, but also structure, structural determination. But again, it takes time and it takes wisdom. But it also takes effort, like we said, and courage. So let's read through some scriptures in Romans as we conclude in discussing how we choose community. I'm going to be giving you a verse and then giving you an explanation of what that verse speaks of in the how to choose community. In the, in the beginning of Paul's letter to the Romans, and like the beginning of any of his letter, letters to the churches, he always does one thing, and that is he says he prays for them. And that's an important first step in when you want to connect or when the love of God urges you to connect, is that you need to pray for each other. And we need to pray for each other all the time. Let's read in Romans 1 verse 9 from the Passion Translation. And God knows that I pray for you continually and at all times. For I passionately serve and worship him with my spirit in the gospel of his son. You see, this is something I also get reminded from time to time. Sometimes we take, we take prayer that it's going to happen regardless. But it's so important that when you pray for someone, the Lord, number one, he will remind you of someone to pray for. And in praying for them, that's the first step of how to choose community. Because you're praying not only that God is invested into their lives and, and helps them and also ministers to them, but you also you are investing your own heart as you're praying for them. You're investing your own heart into them and opening up an avenue for God to speak into your life, either about the relationship or about anything. Prayer is so important and prayer for each other is vitally important. This is what it means to love someone, is to pray for them. It's a demonstration of love when we lift each other up in prayer. And that's why prayer is so critical in our faith. Now, for the next few practical methods of choosing community, the how-to, we're going to be stepping through Romans 12. It's not a direct verse-by-verse verse following. I'm going to hotspot now and again around chapter 12 because I'm putting them under headings. And the first heading is, Exhibiting real love. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 10 tells us what this real love looks like. It says, Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. You see, Paul illustrates here what real, authentic love looks like, what agape love looks like. It's really loving, it's really loving someone. Not a, it's not a pretense, it's not a mask, it's not a facade. It's a genuine affection. It's taking delight in honoring each other. Jesus himself demonstrated, like we discussed, what real love looks like in John chapter 13 when he washed the disciples' feet. The, the Passion Translation says it this way. Jesus knew that night before the Passover would be the last night on earth before leaving this world to return to his father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. See, this is in the beginning. Before Jesus has even decided to wash their feet, he says Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. 
throughout his whole time on earth and throughout his whole time in that relationship with his disciples, he continually demonstrates authentic agape love in all his dealings with them. But still, he wanted, he wanted to give them a moment that they would always remember. And today that we always remember as a representation of what real love looks like. That's why the, the washing of the feet is so powerful. It's not only metaphorical, it's prophetic. And it's, it's practical. It, 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 Jesus took, he became man. He, he took off his robes when he washed. It speaks about how, how he, he, he took his deity and removed his deity to become flesh, human, human flesh for us to die on the cross for us. And that's why the washing of the feet and ultimately the cross is an exact re- representation of what agape looks like. And that leads us to the next point is, Jesus washed their feet, something a ser- not even a normal servant, but a lowly servant would do. Jesus demonstrating what, what love looks like is by serving one another. Serving God by serving each other. You see, love is a doing word. It's an action, like we said. We have to first choose that action and decide that's what we're going to do. Love is a choice, but we need to then follow through, just like faith. Faith without works is dead, and so is love without works. Is dead. True love is selfless, not selfish. It must always cost us something. But I don't know if, for you, but what's amazing is that when you really love someone, you celebrate that cost. It doesn't take much effort to to lavish your children or your spouse with gifts or whatever you can do and time and effort because you really love them. It brings you ultimate pleasure. When you see them having joy on their, on their face and, and a smile. See, that's what true love is. It's selfless, like we said. And that's what it means to serve one another. So in Romans 12, verse 11 to, to 13, Paul says, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Again, he practically encourages us to help our fellow brothers and sisters when they are in need. And anyone, any human being that is in need, to really help them. That's what it means as to how to choose communities, by serving, by serving them. Let's continue in verse 15 of Romans 12. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Now, what that means for me is not just sharing a a mirror image reflection of the emotions, but it speaks of those time life moments. When someone is happy, it's celebrating a graduation, it's celebrating a marriage, it's celebrating a victory of some sort. When someone is sad, it speaks of a loss, loss in life, speaks of loss and it speaks of real wrenching heartache. It means that you are there in those moments. You don't just reflect that emotion because so often they don't need that emotion reflected back to them. They need someone who would stay strong in that time. And it means sharing in each other's life moments, in their victories and in their struggles. That's what when the Bible speaks, when one member of the body hurts, we all hurt because we all feel that that loss or we feel that victory. That's what it means to be in community, right? It means being there for one another. Paul continues in verse 16, Romans 12, verse 16. 
Live in harmony with each other. Don't be proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't, don't think you know it all. For me, it speaks about being peaceful and not prideful. You see, selfishness is pride. Self, selflessness is peace. Jesus demonstrated what it means to be selfless. And he, he didn't, like he said, he was no respecter of person. He didn't look down on anybody. Not on his disciples, not on a Samaritan woman, not on tax collectors, not on lepers, not on prostitutes. He never looked down on anybody. He rather, he spent time with them and he lifted them up. And this is what Paul tells us. He says, be peaceful with all men. How much does the church need to, or the world needs to hear that today? When the world is so busy building fences and walls with each other, what true believers need to be doing is be building bridges with one another, being peaceful among all men, firstly within the church and then outside the church, just like Jesus demonstrated to us. Paul continues, like I said, we're going to be hotspotting. So verse 14, Romans 12, verse 14. This is where the New Testament continues giving us a new method of warfare. You see, Jesus showed what true victory really looks like, what true warfare really looks like. It doesn't mean picking up your sword and, and flailing it around and charging the enemy. It rather means laying your life down. And this is why we term it the upside down kingdom. The cross is our symbol of victory, not a sword. The word of God is the sword. Romans 12 verse 14, bless those who persecute you, don't curse them, pray that God will bless them. He continues in verse 17 to 21, never pay back evil with more evil, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Like I said, how much does the world need that today? An encouragement to do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. He continues in 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger for God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Wow. That's, that's a new type of warfare that this world has yet to discover. Only those who are Christians, only those who are Christ ones know that's what real victory looks like. It means defeating evil with good. I mean, feeding our enemies, that's, that's something that doesn't make any sense to a non-believer. But it makes perfect sense if you remember Christ and what he did for us. You see... In these, these, all these how-to steps that I've read from Romans 12, basically Paul is telling us to be one thing. He's telling us to be like Christ. We break down, break, when breaking down all these points, he's illustrating Christ's nature and how we as individuals can replicate that nature by spending time, first of all, like we said, by choosing Christ, first of all, and continue all the time, moment on moment, we be, partake more of his nature day by day in our hearts, so that when we interact with each other within the body and when we interact with the world, we won't just give our 
knee-jerk ref- humanity reflexes, but rather we will respond in Christ. We will feed our enemies. We will love our neighbors. We will, we will demonstrate what true love looks like by being genuine and authentic in our relationships. You see, when we get together, we learn and encourage each other to become more like Christ. Community is far more than just being me and my Bible. It's fellow brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ. The kingdom of God is represented when we love one another as Christ has loved us. But guess what? It doesn't just stay there. It grows outwards from there. And that's how the kingdom of God is always expanding because the love of God is always expanding. It cannot hold itself within. It needs to pour out. So this is my message to you guys. Like I said, this morning, afternoon and evening is this is what the Lord has been challenging me on how to choose community and what it looks like to choose community. It's to choosing to love one another as Christ has loved us. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.